Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, as always, are my compadres, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. Pack show, guys. We, we're going to talk about DeAndre Swift. We're going to talk about Saturday scrimmage. We got some recruiting talk, as always. And uh, before we get to any of that, Rusty, football's back, man. You've been all over Twitter talking about how football's back. Oh, it's man. back. We, we, I, I, think, I think we start like three or four weeks ahead of time saying yep. football's back yeah. and, and before it's actually back. But now it actually is back. So, so you know, we're not the boy who cried wolf anymore. It, it, it's really back. When you look at the, uh, the schedule for tonight in the state of Georgia, it's probably 20, 25 scrimmages and maybe probably 40 or 50 tomorrow night. So um, have a daughter playing an afternoon softball game today. As soon as that's over, leave there trying to get down to watch Carrollton play Bremen tonight so I can look at MJ Morris, the – 2022 quarterback and has the Georgia, Alabama, Texas A&M offers. They got a lot of young talent there. And then tomorrow night, going to see another game. So it really is back NFL preseason beyond the night. So you, you look at the official high school football season in Georgia will start next Thursday in beautiful downtown Rome, Georgia. Shameless plug, Corky Kell Classic. And I get a chance to see Eric Gilbert in action against uh, Rome in a matchup, a rematch of last year. A game that was 51-41, so I expect a big-time shootout. But as you can tell, man, I'm excited. High school football in Georgia is back. And a few days from now, we'll be talking about the uh, Labor Day weekend in, in college football. Kip, what's going on with you, man? I'm just ready to, to, to see some actual football games. You know, the, uh, the NFL preseason – you know, it's still way too long, in my opinion. I'm I'm ready for that that regular season to get extended. But uh, you know, we're we're a week away from some some college football games. You know that that Florida Miami game is going to be something. I mean, the quarterback situation. You know, with with Miami, uh, Jaron Williams starting quarterback. You know, Tate Martell. You know, a little question mark there. What's going on? But again. Uh, Jared Williams is a guy that that we were very high on at 24-7 Sports, the quarterback out of Central Gwinnett High School. I think, uh, you know, there's probably not a more proud uh, coach in the Southeast right now than, than our guy Todd Wadford there having his, his, his uh, former guy. You know, he always makes sure we know what big-time players he has each and every year. And, and But Jaron, Jaron is a guy that has a very bright future and, won a big time quarterback battle out there and is ready to go with the hurricanes. I mean, which, which one of these Florida teams is going to step up? You know, it's, it seems like it's been, I mean, it's been a long time since, since uh, one of the big three down there has really uh, been, you know, the program we, we thought there would be, I mean, three storied programs down there. Is it going to be Florida, a top 10 team? You know, it, is, is it going to be Miami? Is it going to be Florida state? You know, uh, a lot of people are high in Florida, but, you know, I'm excited to see what Jaron Williams can do for Miami and uh, looking forward to watching that game next weekend. Let's jump right in and start talking about DeAndre Swift, the topic du jour. And, and first of all, I want to say this. So we go out there to practice, right? We get whatever minutes we have. And, you know, sometimes th there's the occasion, like it's, like it's seemingly with DeAndre Swift, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But sometimes it's nothing. 
sometimes it's a lot. You know, sometimes a kid misses a practice for a class or for a family function, a, a funeral or, or, or whatever. I mean, you know, we had that situation happen with Nate Patrick. And then sometimes it, it really means something. And, and uh, you know, it, it, we, we, were, we were out there. DeAndre Swift wasn't out there. DeAndre Swift is arguably at worst – He's arguably the Georgia's most important player, but if he's not the most important player, he's top two or three at the very worst, and, and he's not out there, and everybody reports it, and I think everybody, to the credit of the beat, kind of caught wind of what was going on and that everything was going to be okay. He definitely was limited in that practice. He missed a little bit of the media viewing period before, but he comes trotting out there about halfway through. You never know if a kid's using the restroom or whatever, so... Uh, you know, that's that's something that's kind of lets you into kind of the way we have to report it, the way we kind of have to see it. Uh, but but Rusty, going to throw it to you here real quick. What are you hearing on DeAndre Swift and, and, and why he's kind of been a little bit limited here lately? And and I mean, I, how big of a deal is it? It's not. I mean, look, I understand um, what happens in a situation like that, Jake. And you know this from me on that side of it. When you guys report he's not there, it sends panic panic into the UGA fan base. Like, oh no, is he hurt? You know, because he has been banged up. Now he has a history of being banged up and and those types of things. And then people realize what he was dealing with his freshman year that you really didn't realize until after the season. So going back to that, uh, when we checked with sources pretty quickly, uh, we were able to say, look, we feel like it's not that big of a deal. Uh, should be back, you know, the next day or whatever. You know, in fact, I did check with some sources, and soon after you guys were gone, Jake, like you said, he, you know, he was at practice. And what they do, if you're kind of banged up or whatever, you're going to move. You know, Kirby Smart doesn't want you sitting on a bag of ice over there watching your boys practice. You know, you're not going to be sitting on a stationary bike. You're going to be moving. Uh, that is a, a, a trend in college football that's probably countrywide, nationwide, that, that uh, you don't sit around anymore like the old days. But from everything we've heard, there's no concerns. Uh, he was out that day. I fully expect him to scrimmage this weekend. Uh, you know, without getting into medical terms, maybe a headache, maybe a slight concussion type deal from what I understand. But uh, nothing that we have heard at all that should keep him from playing at Vanderbilt right now and playing at Vanderbilt full speed. So I think that that type of thing gains traction quickly in today's age of media. But we were able to get you guys what I think you wanted to hear was this is not uh, this is not a big deal and he should be okay. Let, let's let's kind of take this in a different direction as far as DeAndre Swift goes. And you're talking about a third year player here. You're talking about a guy who has had an injury history. Kip, you've followed the sport for a while for a, for a good long time, and and most of it's been in recruiting. But but you get it. How important is it that you protect your interest with a guy like DeAndre Swift and and maybe you know you know what he's all about so so is there any harm you, do you think in kind of being super careful with him during during a preseason camp like this I mean you're only two weeks in I, I mean I think it depends on you know whether there's an injury and what the injury is but you got you know we know that DeAndre Swift is the most accomplished running back in the backfield for Georgia right now. I mean, obviously, he's the, you know, the top re returning pass catcher from last year. And, you know, when you look at the the backfield in general, you know, James Cook missed time at the end of last season. Wasn't really fully healthy for most of the spring, if not, the, you know, the whole spring. And, you know, then you have Zamir White. They're obviously trying to be cautious and, and get him to 100% too. So, I mean, you have 
most of your backfield that doesn't have, you know, a a full season of really being healthy. So Brian Herrian, I mean, real big, just having him coming back this year year to to give them that consistency, someone they can depend on. They know what they're going to get from him uh, every week. But, you know, with with DeAndre, it's, it's, again, the, the, the growing thing last year, it does give them some some reason to pause and just make sure everything's going okay. But you know, with this seeming minor, you know, I think it's just it's just a matter of of them, uh, you know, going through their protocol. I mean, if it is a, you know, whether it's a headache or whether it's a minor uh, concussion, it's just standard operating procedure. I think that they would have done that regardless of which player it was. You know, they would have done exactly what they did. So I don't think it really has anything to do with DeAndre, but I, I do think it's. You know, with that running back group as a whole, uh, it's it's going to catch our eyes just because, uh, like I said, we don't have an established, uh, healthy running back, feature back uh, coming into the season. Now, I mean, again, DeAndre is the guy that ran for over a thousand yards last year, but the first almost half of the season, you weren't getting that 100% DeAndre Swift that that we know what he can do. He was still getting, you know, getting into being healthy from that offseason surgery that he had that we found out later that he had. So, you know, I, I don't think there's any anything serious for people to, to worry about, but I do think that running back room in general, it's something we're still waiting to see, you know, the status of everyone kind of going into into this Vanderbilt game, and I think it's uh it's got to be really good news that it doesn't seem like there's anything to worry about with DeAndre missing that practice and, and heading into this scrimmage. So I think that you know that just makes uh that makes this weekend you know even that more intriguing. You know what is this uh what is this running back room capable of, and and how healthy is it as a group? Yeah, I, I always go back to something I try to, you know, push across to to our members at Dogs Two Four Seven constantly, and it's that these coaches have like they they have exponentially more information than we do. Even the most, you know, tied in insider out there. Okay, I mean, you can be as close to the program as you can, and you're going to have a fraction of what those coaches know because those coaches know. Not only all the medical and everything like that, they have it down to a T. Ron Corson gives them a detailed report there, but they also know that player and they know, hey, is this the kind of guy that's milked things in the past? And and you have to consider that when you're a coach. I mean, coaching high school ball, we, you know, we had our guys that, you know, that they they would they would love to sit part of practice out, and then you you couldn't get them to come in for treatment on Saturday, or you couldn't get them to to you know get their ankle tape before practice or anything like that. They you know that's just how it is. Some guys kind of approach it that way, but these coaches they they know not only that, but they also know hey this is DeAndre Swift or this is Andrew Thomas, and it's not necessarily that they're a star. It's Charlie Warner's been mentioned in that same breath. It's not necessarily that they're a star, but these coaches know what they're made of. They know what they know. They, they know that these guys are ready or, or if they're ready or not, and, and whether or not they may need to push the issue and, and kind of toughen them up a little bit or, or, or kind of you know draw the line in the sand. And I think that's something that also plays in here is because by all accounts, DeAndre Swift is the kind of guy that – practices his tail off I mean he, he works his tail off I mean he's a guy that that he's done big things for Georgia he's beloved by his teammates and and you know Rusty I want to get your opinion on this that that too has to play a factor right I mean that that has to be a big kind of 
decision-making factor in this because I don't care how healthy DeAndre Swift is. He's not touching the ball 10 times in Saturday scrimmage. That's just not going to happen. So you, you've, you've just got to know who your players are and, and things like this too. Yeah, you know, you, you, you learn about each other. Coaches learn about them. The players learn about each other. And let's be honest, DeAndre Swift doesn't have anything he has to prove other than he needs to continue to work and stay in shape. Um, you know, these younger kids watch those guys. And I think I talked about this a lot. And I'm not going to change the subject, but I'm going to jump off a tad. I talked about this a lot last year in the preseason. And I think Georgia fans realized what they lost not only in Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle, Roquan Smith, Davin Bellamy, and Lorenzo Carter as players on the field, what they lost off the field as leaders. Everybody watched those guys, fed off those guys. They worked hard every day. They didn't take days off. And even in scrimmages where Kirby Smart probably held Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle out, they probably were itching to go. So it all comes back to full circle with this deal. Uh, you know, DeAndre Swift uh, is a guy that you have to kind of protect and they know how valuable he is, but you also got to get that fine line of working him. So the coaches know those guys. There's also, you don't want to show any favoritism, but, you know, DeAndre Swift's kind of earned uh, where he doesn't have to take 15 carries in a scrimmage. I know the George fans, and Jake, you just get ready. Uh, we'll all face this this weekend. How many carries does Amir White have? What he look like? That type of thing. So it's an important scrimmage. We're going to talk more about that, but I, I think there's a big circle. There's a big piece about this, and maybe we can break it down even further. But the respect uh, DeAndre Swift has and, and what he has earned uh, probably affect you know what he does in fall camp. And we're about to transition to the scrimmage, but before we get to that, uh, you you talked about the favoritism thing. I think, and it's it's kind of my belief that 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 can work the opposite way. Whenever you know, it can actually show players. Hey, you work hard, you do things the right way, you get the benefit of the doubt. You, you know, when you do have a minor bump or bruise or you're not feeling it, you're not feeling yourself, whatever, um, the coaches trust you. If, like I said, if you continue to work hard, if you're the kind of guy that proves yourself day in and day out, that, hey, if you're not completely with it, you're not completely with it physically that day, they'll give you a day. And, and, and that may seem, you know, that may seem like favoritism, and, and it kind of is because, you're going to take care of the guys that are taking care of you. You're going to take care of the guys that are taking care of their teammates, and that's something DeAndre Swift has done uh, since he's been at Georgia. It's, it's, I mean, I, I I have yet to hear a, a negative word about the kid. I mean, from the word go in preseason camp, his first his first year on campus in 2017, Kirby Smarts was talking about what, how hard he worked, how mature he is, all of those things. And then, you know, we come to find out later he pressed through an injury that entire season – toughed it out through an injury through the early season last year. And then, you know, when he finally became himself, he, he became, you know, kind of a, a little bit of a breakout player, a, 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 just a bona fide stud. And, uh, you know, those three 100-yard games with him just getting better with every game there at Florida, Kentucky, and Auburn uh, were huge for him. Let's talk about the scrimmage real quick. And want to do something similar to we did last week. I'm not going to go on and on about all the things I'm looking for, but I do want all three of us – to have an opportunity to talk about what we kind of expect to see out of this scrimmage. And and I'll start here. My number one thing that I'm looking for out of this scrimmage is is for Georgia to be Georgia. And what I mean by that is, you know, you see them, and, and they may focus a little more on the passing game than they will in a regular uh, game plan against Vanderbilt or Tennessee or Florida or something like that because the run game is always going to be the first uh, uh, part of the offense. It's always going to be the, the first option. 
Um, that that's the case with almost every offense in the country. Almost every offense in the country is a little bit run heavy, especially on first down. Uh, but but I, I do think that that this coming scrimmage, the, even though DeAndre Swift probably isn't going to get very many carries, probably may not get any. Uh, I do think that that they'll get more towards their identity as an offense, and that's what I kind of want to hear about is. Do they run it a little bit more? Do they do they work a little bit more on on giving the offensive line a chance to gain gain a little bit more confidence and assert its will and and try to move a little bit more into that game mode because they'll start preparing for Vanderbilt sometime late next week. They won't wait until game week to do that. And, and they've been working on every opponent on their schedule throughout preseason camp, a period here, two periods there. And they'll start working on Vanderbilt probably Thursday, maybe Friday of next week before they go dress rehearsal on Saturday. But but that's what I'm looking for out of this scrimmage. And and, and I, I just want to see – I want to figure out if, you know, when we talk to Kirby afterward, did, did they run the ball more? Did they did they try to put – you know, let the offensive line put their hand in the dirt and come off? Or, or are they going to do like they did the previous scrimmage and uh, in the first scrimmage and, and air it out a little bit more and try to get that passing game clicking because – to me, those two things go hand in hand, and, and and when you're running the football and you're doing what you do offensively, you're playing right-handed, then all of a sudden that makes that left hand a little bit more effective, and, and I think we all kind of expect that the passing game is going to need a little bit of time probably into the season before it starts to really meet its potential. Kip, what, what are you looking for out of this first scrimmage? Is there anything kind of that you've got your eye on? And there are a lot of uh, things that are really intriguing me overall as we kind of get you know, prepared for this Vanderbilt season opener. I mean, uh, you know, Georgia rotates the wide receivers. Usually they have certain guys that, that typically start most games, even if they're not playing the most snaps. And I think, you know, you look at the wide receiver rotation, it's pretty safe to say that, you know, Tyler Simmons, Lawrence Cager, Demetrius Robertson, I mean, in most games, they're probably going to run out with those three guys in, in that first, you know, the first snap. I'm looking to see who kind of uh, steps up into that that you know six six man rotation, especially for a game like Vanderbilt where you can only dress seven, you can only bring seventy guys. So you know well, who are the next three guys? I mean, I think uh, it's a pretty safe assumption that George Pickens is is giving himself a great chance to kind of be in that second group of guys that again plays a lot of snaps, maybe more snaps than you know one of those first three names I mentioned. And then, you know, after that, you know, I want what's going to happen with uh, with Trey Blount? You know, what's he going to do? And is Matt Landers going to show some consistency? You know, I want That's what we've been kind of looking at for waiting to see for a couple of years now is, you know, can he do the little things and can he be consistent with his hands and, and concentration because the size and talent are there? And then again, how quickly is 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 Dominic Blaylock coming along? You know, he's pushing. Karis Jackson in that in that slot, you know those guys are are battling it out. You know is is there going to be a guy that kind of steps up there? I think you know th- toward later in the season, you know you could see Pickens and Blaylock, you know playing a lot more snaps. But for this particularly this Vanderbilt game, you know are we going to see kind of that that rotation emerge and and a group that they're comfortable with just rotating in and out because uh, you got to get some chemistry there early on and, and get and have some guys that, that Jake Jake Fromm knows that he can depend on. So I think the first three guys are kind of are, are kind of locked in, I think, in my opinion, and, and that second group, you know, you want to you want to see some guys kind of step up and and um, 
and, and push those other those first three guys, you know, and, and that's what kind of what I'm looking for, uh, you know, over on Saturday and, and over the next two weeks. You know, you want to talk about kind of an underrated challenge for this coaching staff is starting the season with a 70 man roster. Because that that can't be easy because when you've got Austin P or heck, even when you've got like they have next year and they've got Virginia where they can take, as far as I know, as many players as they'd like, uh, you don't know who's ready for the big time yet. You don't know which receiver is going to get out there and his mind's going to go blank or which defensive lineman is going to go out there and, and forget how to handle a double team. You don't have that game of evaluation, that game full of tape to to kind of figure out who's ready and who's not. And I know practice tells you a lot in that regard, but Kirby Smart will be the first to tell you, despite the, the emphasis he puts on practice, the bullets start flying, things start changing. And so I, I'm interested to see, you know, kind of what that first 70-man roster looks like and how much it changes throughout the season. Because starting off the season with one of those, it can't be easy. Rusty, what are you looking for out of this scrimmage? Really, and let me say this, no news. I mean, <laughs> you don't want any injuries. Um, you want to uh, just kind of do your stuff, Jake, and what I do and check on things and what Kip does and check on different things. But I think what you said a while ago was Georgia being Georgia. Look, it doesn't matter who you are, what you do in this industry. Georgia's loaded. They are one of those three or four alpha elite teams this year. So – I think the biggest thing, and I'm very interested in Jacob, we'll put the pressure on you next week, is we start limiting these reps to just ones and twos basically next week. They're going to cut some guys out, so I want to know who those threes are. You may not be able to watch a practice, but you know, seeing those first 10, 15 minutes of warm-ups you guys get sometimes, it's probably going to tell a lot about how things went over the first 15, 16 days of fall camp uh, as they finished up last week. So I'm really looking for Georgia to stay healthy, Georgia to be Georgia, as you said, Jake, and I'm looking to see what happens next week uh, and who who is kind of in that third group because it's going to tell a lot about how things have went behind the scenes the first couple of weeks, in my opinion. Yeah, if, if what we're reporting on after this scrimmage is who had a 30-yard run, who caught seven passes, who caught a touchdown, who had an interception, that's a good thing. If what we're talking about is – if we're digging for info on how bad player X is hurt or we're digging for info on why player Y didn't why why they didn't really participate in the scrimmage, that is is what you don't want to see as a Georgia fan. And uh, you know, it it doesn't really obviously we don't want to see anybody get hurt or anything bad happen to any team at this point in the year before the ball ever really gets, you know, rolling and and, and spinning. But but at the same time it's it's you know that that that's the kind of thing you don't want to worry about, and and that's the kind of thing we don't want to see it. Uh, but we, you know we'll cover it. We'll, we'll do our jobs when it comes to that thing. But th- those are things we definitely don't want to see. And and uh, I'm with you. I'll be I'll be all over that that the who's getting the reps next week. I mean we kind of got a little bit of a taste of that this past week when they're running inside drill and there's four inside linebackers in that inside drill and Channing Tindall was as talented as he is and as much as I predicted him to be a breakout player this year. I, I think I wrote that at least once or twice this offseason. Uh, he was over there with, with the freshmen and, and the guys who, who aren't necessarily expected to contribute that much. Uh, so, you know, the, those are the kind of things we're going to be able to really pick up on next week, and, and it'll be interesting to see all that, all that how all that plays out. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, moving on to recruiting and and talking about some things here. Uh, Rusty, you're going to go cover, it sounds like, you're going to be covering the announcement of B.J. Ojolari, younger brother of Aziz Ojolari, plays the same position, weak side defensive end, outside linebacker. Uh, kind of, I know you're just doing it for the network because uh, we're local. We we team up and everything like that. Uh, I know every listen. The, the, as 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 sure as the sun will come up in the morning, everybody's everybody's gonna say, Rust. Oh man, George is getting BJ Ojolari. Rusty's going to cover it. That's not how we do things. It too. I covered Corte Sapp's announcement, and Georgia wasn't even in the mix. So I, I know how those things go. What are you hearing right there as far as everything goes? Where's George at and all this? Well, you know, it's been one of those mornings where I've had a lot of calls from guys at our network. I've had to make some calls. I would say as the week started, this was a pretty good, I thought, lean to LSU. As the week is unfolding, and, and this is the God's honest truth, we're, we don't have to build any drama. We don't have to say anything because at the moment, we don't think George is getting this kid. So you can throw that narrative out the window. But I'm telling you right now, this is one that nobody right now kind of knows which way it's going. And I made this comment when I went over there, and I told the guys on the Tennessee board, I told Shay Dixon from my LSU site, he told me that he was not going to tell many people where he, what this what was doing. He was going to have a final decision with his family, a final meeting. So, you know, right now as we tape this, I don't really think that that anybody knows what's going on with him. I do think Tennessee may have made a move here. Uh, yesterday and look Kip's Kip's gonna probably talk about this but I thought he had a great point before the show we talked about when a kid makes an announcement date and he's not silently committed anywhere which I don't think he was uh, the coaches turn up the switch I mean they start working on him this kid announced the decision last week so they knew he had about eight or nine days so you start throwing your best swings you start taking your your best cuts at the kid and telling look man we need you. This is what the other school has. This is what we've got. We've got opportunity to play. I mean, everything is coming down for B.J. O'Jalori because I do think people know what type of kid he is. And he told me last week in person, hey, man, when I commit, I'm done. I'm not taking any visits. I need to be done with this before my senior season. So, you know, this is one of those one tomorrow. It's going to be interesting. It's fun to cover those because uh, anything can happen. But uh, I do think Georgia's probably on the outside looking in. I think they got in a little bit late. Don't, if he picks Georgia tomorrow, we didn't know. So, you know, he's a very talented player. Numbers are extremely tight for Georgia in this class. As we've talked about this morning, I did confirm that Nadab Joseph would count against this class. Georgia got the initial back uh, that summer by getting Demetrius Robertson. So, uh, in that particular class, so numbers are very, very tight. And right now, it looks like the only outside linebacker they're going to take in this class will be MJ Sherman, the five star out of the Washington, D.C. area. So going tomorrow to cover B.J. O'Jolari for the network. Um, again, if he were to pick Georgia, it would surprise us at the moment. But I do think LSU, Auburn, and Tennessee are in this thing very, very late. 
Kip, un- unpack that whole, you know, Rusty kind of kind of hit on it, but unpack the whole idea of of what a commitment announcement not only does for fans because it fans and, and reporters, it sends us scrambling too because we're trying to find out what's going on, especially when it comes out of the blue. The fans all of a sudden start speculating and, and, and talking about it and it creates conversation. Uh, based on all of your experience in this business, wh- how how much does it send a coaching staff scrambling and and how much can change in a short amount of time well it's really interesting especially when it happens in august right now you know we're in that recruiting dead period so these coaching staffs don't do not have an opportunity to to get this kid on campus uh, before he announces his decision you know that in-person contact they covet but you know they're also getting into they're in season mode you know they're preparing for their season openers They've kind of flipped off the switch a little bit on recruiting. And, and, and so, you know, these big-time prospects, the college coaches ask these kids, you know, keep us in the loop, let us know if anything changes. Uh, but at the same time, they're kind of flipped toward, we're going to get this kid on campus, you know, we'll, we'll focus on official visits. And, and you know, when we think it's going to be decision time, We'll really crank it up then. I mean, BJ, you know, hasn't taken an official visit. I think he had like maybe one scheduled uh, at one point to Alabama in, in September. But, you know, all the college coaches were focused on getting him on campus during the season and, and kind of working on him, you know, there. So, you know, when they find out he's ready to announce the decision, I mean, it's it kind of throws up a red alarm for them. They're like, okay, this kid's announcing now. Where is he on our board? what are we doing in this position? And, and you know, they, they, they start sending them lots of messages. Hey, call us, call us, call us. And they have to crank up the effort. But again, all the hay's kind of in the barn. You know, all the colleges have already had them on campus over the summer. You know, they've already given them the best impression they can. It, it's tough. You can only do so much on the phone. So it becomes kind of that early signing period for them where, okay, He's the kind of kid that plans on shutting it down. So we got to win this recruiting battle now. And, and, and you know, they they try to get him on the phone and, and talk to him as, as much as they can. But it's it now it's on him, you know, whether he wants to answer the phone, whether the decision makers in his circle, his family, want to answer the phone. So again, college co- coaches are, are kind of up against it like that. It's it's kind of like that. That Monday before the uh, before National Signing Day, before the early signing period, when that dead period hits, you, you know, you, you're you're working the phone as much as you can. And, and we cover these all the time and we tell people, you know, there's a lot going on behind the scenes during those 72 hours between that Monday and Wednesday. And that's why we have to report sometimes by the hour. Uh, you know, you look at the Kobe Dean's recruitment this past cycle. You know, we had multiple programs thinking a different program was was going to land him between that monday and that wednesday we were giving basically rusty was on the board on the junkyard giving hourly updates you know uh different programs oh, thought oh, different oh, programs led don't remind me and and so that's what we talk about and and people again point to that crystal ball there, there are changes in the final hours and predictions get switched and fans will say you guys didn't have a good pulse on the recruitment you know uh and we'll, we have to point out that when you get to this 11th hour 
it's a different stage in recruiting. It's a different recruiting season, you know, and everything gets cranked up a notch. And that's what's going on right now with B. Joe Jolari. These schools, LSU, Auburn, Tennessee, and possibly Georgia are making that final push for a kid who we don't know if he's already made that decision in his mind. So according to them, you know, it's, it's fair game and, and it's, it's a big battle. And it's a guy that, Again, we, we, we've been high him for a while, but really kind of showed a different B.J. Ojolari at the opening finals in, in July. I mean, uh, you know, he, he was seen as kind of just a, a speed guy going into that event, but uh, he had really, really active hands out there. And when you, when you combine that with the speed, um, it's pretty impressive. I mean, he showcased some power as well. 6'3", I think 222, 223 pounds. And, and the thing that really impressed me the most about BJ out there is that, you know, he had a he came with a plan on almost every rep. You see a lot of vet speed guys that just kind of, uh, you know, that it, it seems like they're making it up as they go along. They don't, they don't come with a plan, and that really eliminates your ability to adapt, you know, to, to a counter move by an offensive lineman. And so, you know, he's a guy that's, I think, stock is up. And obviously, it looks like he's going to be going to an SEC program. And he's definitely an SEC-level skill rusher. I mean, speed rusher. But uh, it's, again, we have to stress, it's a cliched phrase that recruiting is fluid. But it's absolutely true. I mean, and when these these guys make uh, their announcement dates known, uh, it's definitely – that signals to the college coaches they have to crank it up a notch. They get paid a lot of money for a reason. I'm not trying to downplay their ability as actual coaches on the field, but the acquisition of talent uh, at the college level is, is pretty much paramount, and that's really what allows these guys to you know, keep their jobs and often get promotions is that ability to, to recruit, and these guys – and we're talking about these programs are, are, are the best of the best, which is for a, 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 young, a teenager. You know, you only get to go through this process once for most of these recruits. Uh, it's very overwhelming. And they're all making probably, I would say, very convincing pitches, pitches right now to try to land his commitment. Yeah, making it up as you go. That sounds like three Bojangles-loving idiots in Georgia doing a podcast to me. But – uh we we don't we don't make it up we we plan it out. I just it's, sometimes it feels like that because conversation takes you different places. But Kip, you hit on a huge point there, and and something that listen if if you're if you're a subscriber or if you keep your eyes on on dogs two four seven or two four seven sports, you know what the crystal ball is. It's where people make their picks for for recruits, and and you know every now and then there we catch some flack on on picks being made at the last minute. But guess what? These coaches, especially this time of year, they, they don't have tons of free time. They don't have hardly any. But you know what they do do? They take all of the free time they've got whenever an announcement like this happens, and they're they're recruiting this kid. I mean, th- these guys are pushing their kid on the swing outside and, and texting with a recruit at the same time or direct messaging one or maybe on the phone with them trying to convince them so – it, you know, we may catch a little flack for for making late crystal ball picks or everything like that, but we do it because these coaches are are out there may, trying to make a last minute push. 
they know that there's a chance this kid may go somewhere else, or they wouldn't be doing that. If they knew he was logged in, he's logged in. But they they know all of this. They're making that push. And so ultimately it comes down to, like you said, recruiting's fluid and these coaches know it. And sometimes that that has to keep up that keeps us on our toes in a big way. So it's kind of hard once again with those coaches having so much more information than we do because they know the decision maker, they know what the kids are looking for, they know what the kids concerned about, and they're making their last minute pushes. Uh, whereas, you know, we have a fraction of that information. And, and we also have to be fluid with it, too, and, and as reporters and as people who are trying to give the most accurate and up-to-date information possible. And, and that's what's key. Uh, before we close up the show, and, and we got one more topic we're going to cover. It's sticking to recruiting here. Uh, what's next for Georgia? Because this is a dead period, but it's, it's far from dead. You know, there's a lot of work going on. Rusty, what do you think could be next for Georgia uh, in recruiting circles in, in the coming month? Uh, six weeks, three weeks, two weeks, whatever. What 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 could be next here? You know, I'll I'll let Kip touch on the the the, the big the big boy because he Kip's been uh, you know working his swords as much as he can on on Zach Evans. I'll touch on uh, Cedric Van Pran that I put a crystal ball in maybe late uh, May, early June, something like that on Georgia, and I thought that he would be committed in May. I thought he'd be committed uh, in late July. I think he'll be committed before August is over with. But, again, he is he has not done it. I do think Georgia has been the team here for a while. I think Georgia's been the team um, probably since about April, in my opinion. For whatever reason, he is not committed to Georgia. You know, if I'm having to pick today, I think that would change before September uh, is my best guess on this. So, uh, you know, he's a very talented player. He's a guy that Sam Pittman uh, certainly has recruited hard. He's been on multiple visits up here, kid out of Louisiana, so it's hard to go in there and make those pulls, man. But what Sam Pittman does is crazy. Um, and I think that, you know, we're learning too. Me and Kip definitely covering uh, recruiting. We're learning about this new August dead period, which I do not like. I wish Saturdays were open where the kids could go watch scrimmages. I think that's what the – you know, maybe if you do – you know, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., those kids can be on campus. They can watch the, the practices and come back, which I think that's valuable for everybody. I don't see the, 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 the plus of a completely dead month. Now, that's another tangent or another subject to go off on, but uh, I think Cedric Van Pran could be committed sooner than later, and I'll stay on my crystal ball with Georgia. We don't, we don't have a video or anything like that with him, so, you know, don't jump to conclusions. But uh, I do feel good on Georgia here like what Sam Pittman's doing and I'll I'll step to the side and let Kip uh Kip fill us in on this you know what I consider the alpha the alpha male uh running back in this class out of Texas Zach Evans. Yeah, I like that pick. I think uh again, uh, another outstanding class for for Sam Pittman if he's able to land Cedric Van Pran, I agree with you. I think uh I think he's getting ready to announce that decision. He did uh he did give us that 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 scoop uh, recently as far as him planning to announce that commitment before his season starts, uh, and that that first game is, I believe, September fifth. I, I do ex- I do think that he will get it out of the way uh, before that. In the month of August does sound like a good plan for him. But as you mentioned, yeah, Zach Evans, top ten prospect, number one running back in the country, the guy that we we feel has separated himself from the other running backs in this class. 
it's uh, it's interesting because he maintained to Brian Peroni talking to him earlier in the week that you know he doesn't have any any plans to uh, to announce. He's focused on kind of setting his official visits up, you know, with uh, with Alabama, LSU, Texas A and M, Georgia, kind of those programs that he's he's focused on right now, but. You know, I, I keep I keep digging away just uh, to see what's you know what's going on because sometimes you know a kid will say something, but we will hear differently. You know, uh, if uh, if they don't want that info out there, they're going to put the info out there that they want. And I think that Zach Evans is considering you know announcing a decision sooner than he's letting on. Uh, as we said before in the show, the, these things change. He could wake up tomorrow and go, you know what? No, you know, I'm not ready to do it, which is why we always have to, to caution our readers, you know, on the junkyard that if we think this is what's going to happen, you know, on a Thursday, Monday, you know, he could have changed his mind. That's what recruiting is all about here. And if the other schools, you know, that might not lead for Zach Evans know that, they're going to do their best to say, hey, just wait. You know, we, we thought you were planning on taking this official visit to us. We got this big time game and and we want to sell you on that. And we'd love to do it with you not being committed. So, you know, that that still pulls against him every day. He's going to get that message every day. And so I think Zach Evans could announce a decision I'm not going to say next week, next two weeks, but from what I hear, you know, it's something that could happen in the next four weeks. You know, maybe it does happen in the month of September, early in the season. And as Rusty's maintained multiple times, I mean, if he announces a commitment, let's just say early September, I <laughs> that's not going to change uh, what other programs do. The other programs that, that don't land his verbal commitment. And in fact, I mean, that puts the bullseye on the team that lands his commitment. They're going to crank it up a notch, and they're going to still work to get him on on campus for those official visits and and change his mind before the early signing period. Uh, but I'll say that as of right now, I still like where Georgia stands with him. You want to be where Georgia is uh, right now more than anything. I, I think that they have that momentum. Getting him on campus again in, in late July uh, was great for them. Uh, having a guy that's actively recruiting him uh, in running back, fellow five-star running back Kendall Milton, definitely helping them. And, and I think just the Del McGee, the pitch, he, he's been working on that, you know, for several years now. And working on that, you know, you have you have no better selling point than just pointing to, to Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle and saying, look, we know how to handle having multiple uh, five-star running backs on campus at the same time. You know, and so I, I think that pitch has been, again, I maintain super effective with him. And I like where the Bulldogs stand right now, but that, that work is, you know, there's still more work to be done. I think that, uh, you know, Cedric Van Pran, if we're picking a guy that could be next to commit, I, I love that pick. I think there's a possibility, you know, Zach Evans might not be too far behind. And if it happens, uh, that's huge. I mean, we're talking again, a guy that is one of the better running back prospects we've seen the last couple of cycles. When we start talking about, you know, the Zamir Whites, the the Trey Sanders, 
you know, those guys. Zach Evans is up there with those guys. And so uh, he, it'd be huge for Georgia. And, you know, if it does happen in September, it's still, if you get them on the commitment list, it's huge momentum. And uh, it, it really, it gives you a, a great running back duo potentially in this 2020 group, a, a class that, again, as Rusty maintained, we're running out of spots here. Right now, as we record this show, we're at 16 verbal commitments, number five uh, class in the country. At, at most, we're talking about seven remaining spots. If George is able to land Cedric Van Pran and Zach Evans, we're potentially early in the season. You know, that's that's five spots left for the whole class with a lot of guys still on the board. I mean, we've maintained Georgia plans on, on trying to sign two tight ends. You know, if they sign two tight ends, now they're down to three spots. So uh, there is a lot of meat left on the bone and and more guys than there are spots for Georgia in, in this cycle. And it's it, it's fascinating to watch. And I think that the, the Zach Evans recruitment is equally fascinating to watch because yeah, he, he puts a lot of signals out there. I don't think he's a guy that really wants the limelight as much as people might think as a five-star and a guy that's fairly active on social media. But I do think that he is n- not trying to let anyone know which way he's leaning or, or what his plans are. And so that does add a lot of intrigue to, again, already an elite prospect. Recruiting isn't for everybody. But if it is for you and you enjoy it, there's not a whole lot that's more dramatic and more fun. And and Georgia has, like you said, a fascinating situation uh, going on from now until the end of this recruiting cycle, maybe all the way up until February. Uh, I know the early signing period has turned into the big one. But uh, if if the first two early signing periods are any indication, they're going to be big. And February is also going to be big. I don't know about you guys. I can't wait till Nashville. We had an announcement earlier this week. Rusty, I'm going to let you talk about that for a second. Uh, what, I mean, kind of how did this come together and, and how much fun is it going to be? Well, you know, they've, uh, and I'll start, well, you know, we partnered with 680 The Fan and, and uh, Los, Medinas, Los Medina and uh, Carlos there and, um, and Hoyt, who everybody knows on the, on the 680 The Fan. They did a show in Chicago a couple of years ago, and the New Orleans trip last year on the day before was legendary to some, I guess. Uh, but we are going to team up with those guys that reached out to us. And, you know, it was a win-win for us because they already had the official UGA headquarters, um, the Valentine, right there on Broadway in Nashville. So, I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, excited about that. It's going to be fun. I've had so many people reach out. Uh, I think Dog Days. Uh, the dog days uh, group that's the, um, the the travel packages for Georgia fans. That's where they're going to be that afternoon. They're having a live music festival downtown all day on Friday. So it's going to be packed. It's going to be fun. We'll get a chance to hang out with everybody, see everybody. Uh, we'll say that I cannot mention it right now, but we are have have traded some text messages with I would say a country music star that I think that the Georgia fans would be happy about if we get in there for a little while. So uh, I'll leave it at that right now. So I think uh, you know we got a few more surprises in store, but man, it's going to be a hell of a night. It's going to be fun. 
kicking off college football, but more importantly, man, we get to meet a lot of subscribers and, and finally put some, you know, faces to names and, and, uh, to meet you guys. We've been promising and trying to do this for years now. It just came together in Nashville and, you know, Bart, I think trying to get Barton and Trey Scott and all those guys from the office, maybe even get Shannon to stop by for a minute, uh, Shannon Terry, so you guys can, you know, get on him about the Bama bump in person. And I'd like to hear his response as he was cornered up. So, uh, Shannon does a good job, obviously, with all that. But it, it'll be fun, man. We're going to have some people from the office get to see us, meet us, meet you guys, have some beers. Um, it's going to be fun. I can't wait. I'm, ex- I'm very, very excited about this this event. I'm going to go ahead and tell everybody right now, if you're looking for a, a Dogs 247 staff member to, to buy a beer, if you're looking for me to buy me a beer, I'm the only one of us under six feet. Okay, <laughs> so so find the short one. Uh, two four seven sports shirt on and and buy that dude a beer buy him all the beer he wants because because he's a nice guy and and he's he's vertically challenged compared to these other two big dudes uh but that's all we've got today for this show uh we'll be back next week talking about the scrimmage talking about anything that happens between then and then and uh now and then and and we'll we'll have it covered for you at dogs 24 7 stay tuned a uh, lot, lot going on here in these next couple weeks, and then uh, it'll all kind of culminate on uh, on uh, August 31st in Nashville. We have a chance to shake a few hands and, and share a few smiles. But until then, I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7, Kip Adams, Rusty Mansell of Dogs 24-7, and this has been the Junkyard Dogcast. Take care. Take care.